this week, Elon is cutting. I'm sorry, my I'm so out of sorts. There we go. All right, this week Elon is cutting jobs. Yay or ye or yay, it depends on how you say it. Plans on filing parlor, and a first-generation iPhone is sold for more than thirty-nine thousand dollars. Those are some of the tech news stories from this week. And it's Sunday, October twenty-third, twenty twenty-two. My name is Kirk Corliss. I'm Scott Ertz, and I'm Avram Pelch. And this is episode 112 and the last of three special episodes of GNC Week in Review slash F5 Refresh Technology Podcast, proud partner of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. We are live on gncweekly.com slash live. So please be sure to say hello in chat or comment. Also be sure to like and subscribe to the GNC WIR channel on YouTube. If you, if you miss a live video, that's okay. You can always catch the replay later. If you are a listener, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We can find it on the right-hand side column at gncweekly.com, be it our podcast, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. You have a comment, be it on social media or email, and those links can be found at gncweekly.com forward slash connect. So this is the last episode or last special episode of the of our, our partnership uh with f5 f5 technology i've been having so much fun over the for past three time. sundays for this time right that is absolutely right so <laughs> i had been enjoying working on it on getting pulling all the topics together um and working on you know our side or gnc uh, we can reviews uh topics and top stories so it's been it's been great we'll have had a lot of fun and uh, abram how you doing my friend great you know i uh, had a quiet weekend uh spent a lot of time programming stuff for my job when i should have been doing other stuff for my job or <laughs> stuff with the family but you know i guess you ever get into those things where it's like in a kind of bad mood and like trying to figure out code problems just makes you feel better Yep. You know, so like the other or at day, at least allows you to uh, divert your energy, your anger in a different yeah, direction. Yeah, you know, I don't know. The other day, I was talking to a friend of mine at work. I, I maintain a like a kind of like I wouldn't say secret, like a separate server where we do have keep do a lot of like special tools and reports for people and uh, at, at, and the company. And you know, the other day, I was talking with my friend in the men's room. Like that's where we do all of our meetings not on purpose. I mean, just like, Hey, I was going, you know, and he was like, Hey, you know, and I was like, Hey, you're in charge of the social stuff. Now I could give you a report of like how every, you know, every site that our company owns does on social, you know, uh, can you want me to, to create something like that for you? I was like, yeah, that would be nice. And I was, that's no rush. I was like, I'll do this. I'll go back to my desk and do it this weekend. I'm like, Whoa, how come I spent like 12 hours on this? Um, but, uh, you know, uh, pro, uh, pro problem resolved. And then I figured out, I just have to say, this is a public service announcement. The weirdest, like, uh, scary, uh, bug on my computer that one of the weirdest scary bugs that I've ever had. And it turned out to be nothing, but you, but I thought that maybe somebody was grabbing my screen because, there was a thing. I'll tell you what it was, and then you tell me whether you would panic, you know, get concerned if you saw this. I was randomly getting a situation where 
I would see a little invisible, little like circle on my screen. The screen would get a little dark and it would do like a camera effect, like whoosh, like that, but for like a millisecond, for like less than a second. So it looked sort of like the thing that happens when you hit your, when you take a camera picture, a screenshot with your phone, yeah, uh, where the screen goes a little dark. Uh, but it also did this sort of, although on your phone, it just usually just goes whole dark, but this was James Bond, you know, effect where it was like that circle. It was like a circle of like gray or whatever would go in it, but for like so fast. And I was like, oh man, is there like an invisible window pop in the back? Is Do I have some type of a malware? I mean, if a malware was taking screenshots, it wouldn't look like that anyway. So that's really right. weird. Right. Uh, but like, what would be causing that to happen? So I was like, I went and I was like uninstalling some utilities I have. Like, could it be that? Right. I ran a massive virus scan, found nothing. I, um, you know, and and it happened for a couple of days, and I was like, maybe maybe I made it go away, and then it happened to me again yesterday, and I and I was looking around, and I was like, I just wonder. I had recently, like maybe a week and a half ago, installed Microsoft Power Toys. Um, Microsoft Power. So I went looking through Microsoft Power Toys and trying all the different things that they have keyboard shortcut. I yesterday it happened to me while I was typing something. I was like, I must have hit a keyboard shortcut for something and not known it. But what keyboard shortcut would make that happen? Right. That's so mm -hmm. weird. And it was happening in different programs, so it wasn't a particular program. Right. I found it. It was there is a feature in when my Windows Power Toys, which is a neat neat little free utility you can download from Microsoft called find my mouse pointer. Yeah. If you hit control two times, it creates a little circle that goes and finds your mouse pointer and highlights it for you. Now in the normal circumstances, it would just highlight your thing and your mouse um, pointer and it would stay there. So you, it wouldn't just be like a, something that just flashed for like half a second. But if you've hit any other key while it's doing it, then it just disappears faster than you can see it, like really register it. So what happens is you accidentally hit left control twice and you have this on, and but you also hit another key after while you're typing, uh -huh. then it will just make a really quick circle appear. Sure. Like that, and that's what it was. Because the other key is dismissing the finder. Yes, yes. Got it. Yes. Mm. Before it even like gets to showing you the pointer or anything, so, so so my my first thought when you described it was, I wonder if it's a a pointer finder. I can't wait to see how this story goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, I. So anyway, that's that's a long story short. And nothing nothing bad. I just you know, I when I saw that, I was like, there's something malicious going on here. Sure, right. Mm -hmm. That would freak me out too. Um, and trying every and trying to find out every possible way to get it fixed. So no, I kudos to you. And it happened seemingly at, at random without prediction. Yeah, because it was a typo that I was right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I can I can see where the panic would come from for sure. Yep, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. So anyway, not a bad feature of Power Toys, but I turned it off just because. Mm -hmm. Especially well. especially for somebody who has installed. The utility for that purpose before. Um, that's why my mind went to it right away. But I'm like, right, it shouldn't be going right away. So maybe it is something else. Let's find out. <laughs> right. right, right, yeah. And, so it's the fact and, is, if you 
if you because I wasn't doing it on purpose, it was canceling it so fast that you couldn't see it. So anyway. Well, fascinating. All right. Well, <laughs> All right, well, let's jump in the news for this week. So we're still on the Elon watch and the news about him buying Twitter um, before he and the company are going on, are going on trial. Now it's being reported that he plans to lay off most of Twitter's workforce if and when he becomes owner of, of Twitter or the social media company. This is coming from the Washington Post on Thursday. <clears throat> excuse me, Musk has told prospective investors in his Twitter purchase that he plans to cut nearly 75% of Twitter's employees' base of 7,500 workers, leaving the company with a skeleton crew. This is coming from the report. The newspaper cited documents and unnamed sources familiar with the deliberations. Um, Twitter and representative for Musk's attorney, Alex Spiro, did not immediately respond to requests to messages he can comment. Um, Wed Bush, an analyst on I, Dan Ives, says, quote, a 75% headcount head count cut would indicate at least allegate struggling, at least allegate stronger free cash flow and profitability, which would be attractive investors looking to get on the deal. That said, you can't cut your growth, you can't cut your way to growth. He also added that such a drastic reduction to Twitter's workforce would likely set the company back years. So this is going to be interesting where he's going to have a skeleton crew of only what? Not many people, but is this going to be, this is going to be a sign of. It's like, it's still like 2,400 people. Right. It's. That's a lot of people. To, to work on a product that seemingly doesn't really change that much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's was what I thought. Like on the one hand, first of all, I don't, I hate, I hate this. Uh, if the fact that Twitter has these people probably means they are doing something that of some importance, but right. would you notice right away? Because like, as long as the servers keep, keep running, right? Like they don't really make a lot of development changes to it. How many developers does it really have? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the so a lot of these people are might be in something like sales and moderation, right? right. Uh, and he certainly has signaled that he doesn't care for moderation, right? So that that's something that could end up going, you know, either or certainly entirely, scaled back entirely or in part. Uh, so you know, and then there's not a lot. I mean, you could leave the you could leave the tool as is you know, the tool set as is and not change it for a long time. And I don't think anybody would uh, notice or care. I mean, I guess the edit button people care about. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, he'd like to, but you know, you can do that with 2000 employees or 2400 employees. So I don't know what Twitter does with 7,500 employees. It sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot of people involved in different kinds of customer support, whether the customer is, a user who needs to be reported, somebody who wants a blue check, or uh, or a client that is buying advertising mm-hmm. on on Twitter. But so, what is the but what is the net? But his nagging bug of his butt was the bots. So so by getting rid of a lot of people and having a quote unquote skeleton crew, you know you're going to need. Suppose they're going to need someone or more than or more than some people to 
take control of the bot. So how is that going to how is that going to happen now? So so my thought on this is that it's less about shrinking the workforce and more about shrinking the number of existing Twitter people that are there. My suspicion is that if this were to happen, again, if I remember correctly, this is still uh, based on some rumor and conjecture more than confirmed reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think that Elon Musk has come out and gone, you're right. Uh, <laughs> but if if this if this is accurate, my guess is it's more about um, getting rid of the people who have said, well, if Elon buys the company, he's going to fire everybody or I'm going to quit and him coming in and going, you're right, get out. And then, then replacing people in departments. I have a feeling it's more about that personally. Mm. Hmm. I, I, first of all, I, I, we're taking him too serious. Well, okay. I be- seriously believe he wants to do this. And I seriously believe that we're serious. Like, even though he's one of the richest men in the world and he obviously has run some successful businesses, like he's a rational business person who's doing things for rational business purposes. Right. He bought, he signed up to buy because he wants to uh, make some type of political statement or something. And he has enough to do that. If I were Elon Musk, I would spend that money on a 4090 card and a few streaming services. (laughs) The, um, but but the but he like the bot thing. I don't believe that he really. I don't believe that that he was serious about that. Yeah, I, think I think that was. I think he was trying to get a cheaper price. I think he was trying to either get a cheaper price or get out of the deal. Yeah, I don't okay. think. I don't think he's going to actually assign uh, people to fix the bots because I don't yeah. think that that. I think that's a red herring. And okay. you Fair know, enough. I think Agreed. he. I don't think he wants. I mean, I don't think that he can say. You know, sure. I'm sure there's a handful of people that he, who may have said things publicly that they don't like his ownership that work there, and he, you know he can he 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 probably doesn't even need to terminate those people because they're going to quit. Like so so I don't I don't I think he really wants to make massive cuts here. There are some things he doesn't want the company to do, like like uh, moderate uh, like moderate content, and he and he has to obviously he's he's in a bad position business-wise with it because it's not a good investment and mm-hmm. he just did it to you know for personal reasons basically to do it uh, and you know so now he's going to try and look like he but you know one thing that you can see say about musk is that he really cares what people think of him mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm you can see that there's kind of like a gaping void there that he just wants, he wants to be admired, you know, and he wants to, I don't know, he wants to be admired. He, you know, he wants to be admired by a certain set of people. He wants to like, he wants to insert himself in everything. Like now he wants to just make decisions about, you know, whether, you know, what Ukraine should do and it's war with Russia. Like, Dude, you're you're running a, a car business and a, like a space business. You should not be make telling other countries to what to do with their territory, right? So, so like you know, he just wants to 
wants to show that he's boss, what better way than to lay people off that also will make the company uh, could temporarily make the company uh, more profitable, appear more profitable, appear more profitable because you cut costs uh, dramatically. Uh, I mean, I think Twitter is going to go down and fl- either, yeah. either he's changed, find that he can't change anything, can't change things very much, or it's going to go down in flames. Uh, well, and can- I, I'm, I, my, uh, my belief is in the latter. And you brought up a big, a good point, Abram, because then also he mumbled, he mentioned to a few people and it was also reported that he was pissed that he overpaid for Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, and so everything you're meant that you're, that you're, dissecting is is spot on um and i and also so you got to keep in mind there's a lot of companies that will well, there's mergers that has that has happened and there has been layoffs but not on this grand scale i mean yeah. that's 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 huge i mean other than maybe two similar or nearly identical companies merging and mm-hmm. you know having large redundancies departments that don't but that's not what's happening here Right. You know, nowhere inside of Tesla does there exist an entire uh, social media content development and moderation department. So, mm. <laughs> you know, we're not looking at at redundancies here. Um, so the the thing that I find interesting about the number is and part of the way that I arrived. So the way I arrived at my thought on it was a little bit of what Avram said in that um he he has a need to feel validated and respected and liked and whatever whatever the thing is that's happening in his head that causes him to do weird emotional things um and <laughs> and several uh employee surveys inside of twitter that just so happened to coincide with the percentage amount um they range between 73, 73 and 78% of the employment uh, believe that anything from uh, Elon's a terrible person and sh- should spontaneously combust to um, he's going to destroy the company. And so, you know, you put those numbers together and, you know, you I see whatever this psychosis is. uh <laughs> Would you <laughs> why if you were them why would you why would you want him to own the company he's he said he's he's said that he True. thinks that most people there don't belong he thinks right. it's ter- run terrible he thinks right. the people there are terrible he wants to tear down half of the things that they're doing yeah i can't blame the employees by someone who's got who's shown public contempt for you and your, and your sure. work right for sure and, and he did throw the, and he did throw the ceo under the bus he threw them all into the bus at different yeah, times. Good point. Different <laughs> so Past, like, present, and future. Right. right. So, good I point. mean, good point. So, so, I mean, yeah. I, he likes to, he likes to talk a big game. Yeah. Uh, so either he's going to drive the site into the ground slowly or quickly, or, or he's going to find that, or he's some business sense is going to prevail and he's not going to actually, he, and he's going to get bored and not make the changes or be able to fall through with the changes that he said. And then eventually try and dump this dump, dump it off to other people uh, at that point. Um, 
but you know, there's no uh, there's no uh, law of nature that says that Twitter has to continue to exist. Right. True. There's no law. Yeah. There's no law of nature that says that any social network has to continue to exist. Give just MySpace because, a call and ask them how that went. <laughs> it is. It is very. It would be very easy for someone to create another site uh, to take the place of it, or maybe if there's a site that's exactly like Twitter that replaces it. Maybe people are spending their time doing other stuff. I personally, as a journalist, have found it useful, but frankly, I get really depressed about all the talk that's going, things that are on there. I'm happy. You know what? Take me off. It's fine. You know, uh, well, expecting, speak- I'm expecting to have to stop using it myself. Well, speaking of purchases and alternatives, um, uh, from staff writer Jen Thorpe from geeknewshunter.com is reporting that a press release on PR Newswire titled, quote, yay, I don't know if it's yay or yee, con- yay, okay. <laughs> there has been conversation about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Formerly known as Connie West to acquire, uh, to acquire Parlor Platform. This was posted on Monday. From the press release, Parliament Technologies announced today, this was on Monday, that has entered an agreement to principle in principle sell parlor, the world's pioneering and cancelable free speech platform to Yay, formerly known as Colony West. Yay has become the richest black man in history throughout through music and apparel and is taking a bold stance against his recent censorship from the, from big tech, using his far-reaching talents to further lead the fight to create an, a truly non-cancelable environment. Yay says, quote, in a world where conservative opinions are considered to be controversial, we have to make sure we have the right to freely express ourselves. The proposed acquisition will assure Parler a future role in creating an uncancelable ecosystem where all voices are welcome. The press release posted a link to where Yay can be found on Parler. Jen clicked on that link, and her Safari browser said it cannot open the page because, quote, the page, quote, because the page's address is invalid. The press release also says, under the terms of their agreement in principle, the parties intend to, to intend to enter into a definitive purchase agreement and expect to close during the first quarter of 2022. The terms of the proposed transaction would include ongoing technical support from Parliament and the use of private cloud services via Parliament's private cloud and data center infrastructure. According to Engadget, the deal appears to be happening quickly with the company behind Parler Parliament Technology saying that the parties expect to close the transaction in the fourth quarter of 2022. The acquisition price was not revealed. So to me, it seems like it's like every rich guy, you know, who has either a chip on her shoulder or uh, doesn't like free speech or is against it can just buy a social media company <laughs> and just like basically go nuts with it. I mean, come on. Also, I, I take issue with this. Oh, I think- it's for free speech. Let's mm. who the, no, it's who they moderate. So I like to see if somebody goes on, somebody goes on there with a point of view that they don't endorse. How right. how how free the speech is going to be? Yes, everybody. It seems that everybody with a chip on their shoulder. And by the way, just to be really clear, Kanye Kanye was uh, recently banned from Twitter, not mm-hmm. for expressing. Well, you know what? I- I'll leave it to others to decide whether this is just a conservative point of view he was he was banned for making anti-semitic statements right uh right. so you know what here's the definitely not a conservative point of view 
Right. I mean, exactly right. I mean that if he that's what he if that's what he thinks, I guess. But you know, like like he was banned for making anti-Semitic statements. So right. the, so this raises a question about the same question that Elon Musk's uh, purchase of Twitter does, which is um, why you know do you really want an unmoderated social network? Because for all the talk about free speech, what they really are saying is we want an unmoderated one. Although what they really mean is we want certain people that we agree with to not be moderated. But mm-hmm. anyway, for whatever whatever the reason is, like you businesses, serious businesses that don't like controversy. So it's very hard for them to play in the um, in the user generated content world, like social networks like Twitter and Facebook do, because they do moderate people, then they get criticized, which you're mm-hmm. seeing. Mm-hmm. But if they moderate people, that is also a, a problem. Right. So they get like, criticized for both. They can't. They can't win. Right. So you know. You can't, I mean, you, you know, so yes, he was, he wasn't kicked off for expressing, for expressing a mainstream uh, right-wing political view. He was kicked off for, for saying things that were uh, clearly, clearly anti-Semitic, but you know, like those are the type of calls that someone on Twitter has to make. Those are, those Mm -hmm. are difficult calls because like it can be blatant. Or it cannot be so blatant. And mm-hmm. and you can look at like literally what this week or within the last two weeks, we've got we've got Kanye making, you know, clearly anti-Semitic comments, and then you've mm-hmm. got Ethan Klein essentially making Holocaust jokes, right? Mm-hmm. And both platforms, one theoretically conservative, though I don't know, I don't know where to put Kanye West, mm-hmm. really. And you've got Ethan Klein who's, you know to the left of Marx um, and both of them had their accounts suspended for making anti-Semitic comments. Right. Right. That that right there, we've got a universal standard. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a standard. Don't say that. So like, you know, the thing is too, like I have some empathy. I really do for the, for uh, the social networks and uh, that have to deal with this because Mm -hmm. I have worked on sites for many, for, most of my career that had some type of user generated content. We have forums on Tom's hardware mm-hmm. and we had, and when I worked at about.com, we had forums and chat rooms mm-hmm. and listen, I mean, they weren't, they weren't popular like a social network was, but there were users posting things. Mm-hmm. Right. And anytime you have users posting things, you open yourself up to, to problems. So right. when I started at about.com in the, I don't even want to say all of them in the late nineties. <laughs> okay. Um, and, 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 you know, it was much more the wild west. They had a huge amount of like every, they were, the site was divided into like hundreds of mini sites that they called guides. Right. Mm-hmm. And at, at any given time, depending on how, what, how this, the company was doing, we had between 500 and a thousand guides running each of them run by a separate freelancer. Every guide had its own forum and, and at one time its own chat room, right? And the chat rooms were completely unmoderated, right? Mm-hmm. There was nobody in the chat room uh, necessarily ever, and anyone could go in there at any time and start a chat. Mm-hmm. And people would, and we would find out 
and people and and you know it was kind of see no evil hear no evil for a while well, we don't know what people are doing in those chat rooms but we're getting a few pages not many actually it wasn't many pages uh because the chat room didn't refresh itself so it was just like you know uh java chat or something anyway <laughs> so you know but eventually they were like holy cow we can't do this and uh some of the pressure was you know i think when copa came out that was a pressure on them with things like the chat room yeah um but the other thing is like with the forums there was a lot of discussion about like well advertisers are very uncomfortable like so that's that's the yeah. ultimate arbiter like advertisers are not comfortable with their stuff potentially appearing next to something that might sure. be right you know bad right whether it's adult content or sexist racist whatever so um so consequently or sometimes even what if they're talking about my competitor in the post um although i don't know if that's necessarily bad but anyway the the the, the, the point is <laughs> The point is that we were there was a lot of pressure, and that, by the way, is still today. Why I don't know if Reddit <laughs> is doing okay with this kind of stuff, but like forum traffic is worth significantly less yeah. on every place that I've been than actual editorial traffic, which is good because that means that people like me could solve a job. Um, but mm-hmm. but it also but there's the reason is that they. Uh, inherently they trust people who are professional writers and editors not to put up stuff that they would be embarrassed to advertise against because advertisers obviously cannot, everything is done through algorithms and stuff like that. There's not an advertiser out there who's like, Hey, I'm going to make sure that my ad runs next to this forum post, which I agree with. And this one that I don't, that Mm -hmm. there's no, not enough time in the world for, or, or, or software in the world to, to get it to that level of granularity. So, you know, it is not actually good for uh, the bottom line to have no moderation. Sure, sure. Right. But that go raised the question, and I even we discussed this before in previous episodes, you know, with, with Musk buying Twitter, you know, spending bi- billions with a B, where he can use those monies, you know, for good use, mm-hmm. you know, with Starlink and investment in education. I'm a big proponent of education. And, you know, if someone's going to put all that money and power into something good, right? By putting money into Twitter for whatever reason, you know, just to look, you know, how it had this, you know, status. That's my question. Why are these com- why are these rich people, celebrities, buying these companies, you know, to boost their ego or or what yes. have you, and putting it into the into the right avenue? That's my whole. And but they're all saying that you know. And I agree. If I'm on Twitter or Facebook, and if I see those comments, I'll block it or and report it. You know, and the old saying is, you know, don't cry, uh, yell fire in a crowded movie theater. You just don't say I'm- that. Unless there's a fire, unless there's a fire, right? An important distinction that, right? That's usually left out. Exactly right. Exactly right. But I. But that's my whole take. I think with even with Yay or whatever the hell hell's name is, you know, it's like using all that money and putting it into something good that benefits the the benefits the the world. And despite how you feel or despite your personal beliefs, 
whatever. I think you're wrong in so many wrong, so many levels and being anti. You're so many, so wrong with that to do that, to hurt people like that and blast it on and it hurts people. Mm -hmm. But to take that money, I just think that's a waste. It's a waste of time, yeah. money, and effort. I do. Especially if, if the thing you're putting money into is parlor. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I love that a retweet in Parlor World is uh, Parlay. I, that the fact that there's pirate talk, you know, there's pirate code built into the service amuses me to absolutely no end. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, the value of it is, I mean, it's possible. And my guess is that there is, uh, you know, th there are probably problems mm -hmm. internally, financially. And this mm -hmm. was more of a an injection of cash into the into the ecosystem than it was anything else. Right. Um, because I cannot imagine that after all the, all the sometimes right, sometimes wrong, depending on what it is, uh, controversy surrounding the platform, you know, mm -hmm. after all that stuff, I cannot imagine that they are um, in a good financial position with yeah. the 11 users that they have. Um, <laughs> right. Granted, I'm one of the 11 because I'm, I had to at least see how the platform worked, mm -hmm. um, but couldn't tell you when the last time I was on it was. Uh, yeah, same here. Prob I probably two days after they came back. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they, they've got no users. They've got, there's nothing actually happening over there. Even some of the, the, you know, biggest conservative names don't, actually use it for anything other than reposting what they're posting on Twitter. You know, people like Glenn Beck and Steven Crowder, the stuff that they post there is just a, an eight second delay of what goes to Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, so there's nobody active on the platform. So I can't imagine that they're doing well financially. And so my guess is that that's more what this is. When you and you, you put together a couple of pieces, Kanye West bought it. Seemingly, his best friend on the planet is Candace Owens. Her husband is the current CEO of the platform. You know, uh, mm. I think it's a friend helping a friend, mm. but that's based on very little information, except you know, third party, very far back observations. Yeah, I mean it. It's probably the most attention Parlor has gotten in what several years. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, since they since they came back from their bands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It it does. I think these all these things do sort of raise a question, which is, uh, are we now going to have to have social networks for different social networks for different uh, political points of view or different lifestyles or something, right? Because. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you, you know, if you don't, you know, I mean, obviously we've seen it, we've seen it happen already. So, I mean, you had the major ones, right. Or like, you know, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever are, you know, have been supposed to be sort of like middle ground here and not mm -hmm. take a side. And um, apart yeah. from, you know, trying to, take a side against something like hate speech. Right. And, um, you know, if you have people buying them who have an agenda, uh, mm -hmm. you know, people are eventually going to leave. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you some of these smaller, uh, networks with like a focus, 
um, can be far more fun. Uh, there's a, a gaming centric one called PVP. Um, that, way more interesting hmm. than <laughs> anything that happens on, on Facebook or Twitter or probably parlor or what else. TikTok or Gab. I'm going to throw all the weird ones in there. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I find PvP way more interesting because it's more focused on the thing that I'm interested in. So. Well, we'll see what happens uh, in the coming days and hope, and something will come out of it. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. Right. My guess is it's not going to be a, a long turnaround. Yeah. Private, I, pri- private company. There's no antitrust issues. There's no, you know, there's no issues. My guess is it's a very quick transition. They've already announced that the technology stack is going to stay in place. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There was something said on a show this week um, that sounded like maybe the name is going to change. There might be a rebrand, but my guess is it's going to be real quick. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. So next up, if you bought the first gen iPhone when it debuted in 2007, it would have cost you $599. Well, 15 years later in 2022, someone paid almost $40,000 for it. Mm, Original iPhone just sold for $39,339.60 in auction. It was unused and unopened and still in its original sealed box. The item description reads, quote, collectors, investors will be hard-pressed to find as a pure example. Relevance and rarity uh, comprise a winning formula for this red-hot collectible. I wouldn't say collectible, but hot or not. Um, The iPhone was listed on... I know, somebody spent (laughs) $40,000 on it, so it's it's pretty hot. Right. (laughs) Maybe they're saying it's stolen. Good question. Quite about that. Um, the iPhone was listed on LC LCG auctions on September 30th, and the auction concluded on Sunday, last Sunday. Um, it was estimated to fetch thirty thousand dollars or more on the auction block, which it did. Right, over a little over nine thousand dollars more. Um, the bidding started at twenty five hundred twenty five twenty five hundred dollars hours so double, before the double the price of a current. Continue. Right, if, hours before the auction ended. The top bid hovered around $10,000, but bidding ramped up as the auction neared its close. As they do. As of course they do. Um, uh, 15 years ago, uh, Apple's CEO and co-founder, the late Steve Jobs, called it, uh, called it, quote, an iPod, a phone, and internet communicator on one. The first, now listen to this, this is shocking. Uh, uh, the first generation iPhone came with a 3.5-inch screen a two-megapixel camera, Ooh. and the Safari web browser. It was initially available only with 4 gig or 8 gig of storage, but later had a 16-gig option. Yeah. So and times have changed yeah. over the past 15 years. <laughs> yeah, right? Because today, you've got this big of a screen with a 48-megapixel on the back, but you're still saddled with Safari. Right. Uh, <laughs> Google Google Pixel but, Pro six, but, or or you could just use an Android phone. I've got one of those around here too. It's yep. just out of reach. Uh, I've got several of them, uh, but you can change your default browser now. They did relent on that one. Mm. Oh, but I think oh, you God. still have to use their rendering engine. So, uh, yeah, 
Well, whoever has it is a is uh I wonder if it's still make it well, it's unused, unopened. So I was wondering if connecting to well and at that yeah, because I think the 3G, I think 3G doesn't that the end? Gen. No, the 3G no. was the second gen. It wasn't available in this. This is 2G. Yeah, it was, it was oh, right. Okay. It was Edge, right? Oh, okay. Like that. Yeah. Okay. This was a 2G phone. That's been dead. <laughs> so it's like I cut <sighs> it off. <laughs> well, so listen. You, what did it even have Wi-Fi? I don't. Think I don't so. remember. I don't think it did. Someone let us know in the or let us know in the comments or let us know in the comments or send us an email or Twitter. I don't think it had. Is- no. I don't think this is so. almost as wasteful as as <laughs> as Elon Musk buying Twitter, um, or yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so. So, look, this is sort of like the equivalent of people who buy, uh, and this is actually most people probably who are collectors buy like, you know, uh, bobbleheads and like mm-hmm. pop vinyls and never take them out of the box, right? Whereas on Terrible, I just buy them and I take them out of the box and display them because I want to see the whole thing. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, but, you know, like there's people who, you know, you go on eBay and you'll find, you know, every everything ever created, you know, somebody has and, and never thought to take out of the box. Right. right. Um, this is not one I would have expected. Uh, I right. Mean, <laughs> now, it doesn't it's just a regular iPhone that anyone at that time could have bought. Right. 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 So this is unlike, for example, the Apple one, which was a prototype that sold recently for seven hundred thousand dollars. Right. Like mm-hmm. very that, different. That is a piece of computer history. It is right. a unique item. It wasn't something anybody could just buy at that time. So, you know, uh, that that makes more sense to me mm-hmm. than than this does. Yeah. And yeah. since it's theoretically unopened mm-hmm. i mean you can buy a shrink wrapper so so you don't <laughs> how do you know that you how do you know you're really getting it right there's and confidence. also yeah there's confidence yeah. put into this yeah also unlike you know i mean this might this be, go without saying but unlike the unlike toys and bobbleheads there's not a transparent window on the box, at least I don't think that there was at that time, and there certainly is not now, where you could see inside and see that it was that it was there. So same could... same box, same box style, significantly thicker than the current ones, and I'm not entirely sure why because they were mostly empty. Um, the new boxes are way better, but basically the exact same box. I so, I sold at the time. So you're saying it's Schrodinger's iPhone? Uh huh. It absolutely is. You do whether it's it could be in the box or could not be in the box here's it could be a cat turd yes well (laughs) this brings up an interesting point so we have a story right now on tom's hardware that's actually been doing really really well for us as just weird news stories tend uh if it's like normal important news maybe maybe it'll do okay maybe not but if it's (laughs) weird weird or or annoying thing happened then then people are all over it so the all latest right. so thing we is found that, your niche. Yes, that's always our niche. But unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, there isn't like something like KFC announcing a new gaming console every day. If there sure. were, then we if there were, we would be riding high all the time. But um, the latest thing is that somebody on Reddit and we reported on this claims that 
they bought an RTX 4090 card from Newegg, paid, you know, however much it was, which is was at least $1,600. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they got it, they opened it up, and inside were two pieces of metal, no graphics card. Um, so, and, you know, they complained to Newegg, who, uh, according to this thread, said, you know, we don't believe you. Um so, you know, and we, we don't, you know, as a, as a reader, I don't know, you know, somebody could make it up. Sure. However, uh, this type of problem has been known to happen, uh-huh. uh, you know, where people get shipped something and it, it, and the box comes with not, not what they ordered, not even right. close. Something that's, um, that's relatively the same weight. Um, yeah. You know, Walmart used to have this problem all the time that people would like buy a, and I don't know why it was boom boxes, but it was, um, they'd buy a boom box. Oh, or a DVD VHS combo. Um, they'd put the right amount of bits of broken brick in the box and then take them back. And then Walmart would put them back on the shelf and resell them. Well, why didn't they check it when the person was like that? They, I mean, they take it into return. Couldn't they, they couldn't take like a, it's a handed few seconds. to a, it's handed to a person. A person could open it up and look inside and go, "Well, that's a brick." What? Right. Nope. Right. So it happened a lot. Right. So there is no question. So if it happened from an online retail, retailer, though, someone like an Amazon, uh, like a Newegg, mm-hmm. um, well. Uh, it's unlikely that it was another customer that caused the problem, right? Um, first of all, this is a brand new card. So, right. and I doubt anyone bought it and returned it. Right. So at, by now, so it would have to have been somebody or, you know, in the shipping kit, involved mm-hmm. in shipping it. So if, if it actually happened, but any. It is. So stories like this have happened in the past um, from delivery drivers who have done it, who have uh, figured out what was in a particular box based on size, weight, whatever, and then traded what was in the box. Um, We've seen that happen before, uh, particularly with um, uh, product launches. The Xbox uh, Series X was a good example of it. Uh, When it first came out, the PS5, uh, PS4 um, had had those issues with delivery drivers stealing the contents of the box and then putting weighted things in it. So. And I like to think of it as an expensive paperweight. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> so yeah. this could be the same thing. And the person will almost certainly never know. Right. Unless you, what can you do? Get the box or something? I, I don't, I mean. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. All right. Well, with that, and now it's time for F5 Refreshing Technology and Nifty Gifties. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology and GNC Week in Review is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military 
can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. A few minutes ago, we were talking about an, on a GNC Week in Review, we were talking about an iPhone, a first-gen iPhone that sold for a lot of money. And while uh, old tech and old phones might be seeing a spike in sales right now, um, uh, the new smartphone market uh, seems to be seeing a decline. In fact, it's the third quarter in a row that uh, phone sales have dipped this time 9% year over year. Um, obviously, we see these dips in technology from time to time, oftentimes, like when it comes to computers, you know, laptop sales, we see it when there's not a lot of change or a lot of, um, uh, you know, innovation in the, the computer industry. It's possible that that's what we're seeing uh, here. We've talked about on both shows uh, over the last couple of years, that in, especially in the smartphone market, there's been a lot of uh, incre increment and not a lot of you know big wow. Um, so it's possible that's what we're seeing here. Um, Samsung retained um, the top position, 22% uh, of the market. Um, uh, Apple, interestingly, is the only uh, big brand to see uh, positive growth, which which is interesting as their prices continue to rise on their devices. They're seeing growth. Um, hopefully, they're talking that these numbers are in uh, units and not in dollars because it could just simply come from the increase in prices. Um, uh, an analyst with Canalis? That's right, Canal. Yep, that's right. Uh, An Amber Lou said the smartphone market is highly reactive to custom to, what Ooh. to consumer <laughs> demand, and vendors are adjusting quickly to the harsh business conditions. For most vendors, the priority is to reduce the risk of inventory building up, given deteriorating demand. Now, we've seen exactly this kind of across the board, right? There's been uh, um, talk. Target has been doing huge inventory reduction um recently uh i think kohl's has been in a similar position in clothing in electronics and all kinds of things so it seems that demand for a lot of things is down right now with um with retailers and manufacturing manufacturers reducing uh their inventory to try and try and stop the bleeding obviously some of this we we know is you know, a response to uh, hardware issues. Um, but what do, what do you guys think? Is it, do consumers just don't care? Is it, so devices aren't interesting? There's a lot. So what you're talking about is also going on, just to put it in some context, it's also going on in the world space, right? You may have seen, I'll talk about uh, declines in uh, of laptops and declines mm -hmm. in sales of processors. However, what the fine print doesn't tell you is that a lot of these declines are based on declining over what was a pandemic market, uh, which was, and in the case of graphics cards, right. what was also 
a crypto market. Uh, and so, you know, they're actually not necessarily response to the quality of the product or response to uh, even inflationary uh, or recessionary pressures, but that like, hey, you know, we really should be uh, evaluating ourselves against like 2019 or something to, yeah. to see what normal looked like. And compared to that, things may still actually look good. But you know how business cycles go. If you have an, ex an explosive growth because of some exterior factor, people mm -hmm. don't, people and investors and, and, you know, media ever are like, oh, you've shrank. Well, listen, the explosive growth isn't, isn't going to, if there's an external factor for the explosive growth, right. like, uh, you know, pandemic stuff. Now, actually, that doesn't necessarily, I don't know if that, what the effect on phones was. <laughs> After all, that means you're probably going out less. So you need your new phone less. Right. About something, it's TV, something that's stationary. But, um, you know, at the same time, who knows? Because more, um, but the other point is that there is not a great reason for people to upgrade. So, uh, you know, it, I mean, we were talking earlier about iPhone, right? And there were some really big inflection points where every year or two, like, you know, I remember working in the, you know, I was working in the industry at Laptop Mag uh, not long after iPhone came out. And mm -hmm. like every new phone, it was like, there were a lot of people who were like, do you remember? This doesn't seem to be a problem anymore where people were like, oh man, having to upgrade only once every two years is, is such a drag right. because my phone feels so old after like six months or a year. And it did, right? Because you'd have mm -hmm. a and then like you were on 3G and all of a sudden, every all of a sudden, you know, a year later, all the people would be on 4G and your contract or whatever made it prohibitive yeah. for you to try and uh, so sorry, you know, you you're stuck with 3G till you know to after your two years are up. Right. Um now phones are just actually a lot of them designed and priced with the idea that you're not going to upgrade every two years mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't uh, upgrade every two years. I bet if you look at it, I bet the average upgrade cycle uh, for phones is, is probably three or more years and yeah. maybe more driven by people dropping them or the battery uh, becoming no longer uh good you know no longer holding as much of a charge yeah uh, more mm -hmm. so than desire to have new new features yeah that's me that's me that's me i um i yeah. had a google pixel google pixel for like for, for like three to four years and then i yeah. upgraded recently when the pixel 6 came out the pro so you're right i'm in that camp i don't i upgrade you know until press like you cited, say, said, stated, uh, Abram, you know, roughly around that three year mark. So I'm in that camp. Yeah. I mean, look, I, my last phone, Samsung S8, I had Galaxy S8, I had what really like, I liked it. It was fine. What really drove me over the line to getting a new phone was not even 5G. Um, it was, I was having a lot of problems with uh, the USB port. Like you had to be plugged in just so, or it wouldn't charge. Yeah, like if there. you blew on it or a wind came along or something <laughs> and it would stop charging and you'd That's have to it. like 
take it out and in again or whatever. Right. And Did you say that was an S8? Yes. Huh. I had the same problem with an S8. It might it might be a common thing. You know, and I had that thing for like three you know, and then, you know, my wife had an SA2 and she dropped hers and broke it. So she got a Galaxy S21 or not. What was it? Was that what it was? S20, I think. And then I was like, you know, a few months later, I'm, oh, I'm having this problem. My birthday was coming up. I'm going to get a new phone now. And I got like a Pixel 4a uh, and, and I love it. It's great. Now, I will say like what would drive me to make a new to get a new phone and i think there's a decent chance that after it's been two years i might actually do it because there's it to go to like the 6a or something is better camera because mm -hmm. the camera on this has been really good but it's certainly not perfect you know i take pictures of my kids a lot i need to take pictures for work uh like and that's my camera so for that reason I, for that reason, I would buy a new phone for better camera. There's like no other feature that I feel like I'm missing though. Yeah, it's it's legitimately the only reason that I allowed this upgrade to happen um, was because of the camera. Same. It had nothing to do with the phone. Because because I have I have both of them now. You know, I do I do mobile development, so you know, I having lots of a variety of of devices is kind of part of my life but um i'll tell you what is this the 14 p.m and uh in mission control out there i've got a 12 p.m i mean the body is a little different but the device isn't the camera is but the device isn't the the dynamic island or whatever <laughs> is a nothing feature uh which is kind of the point right even even this one big thing that they were super excited about, it's kind of a nothing feature that could have easily been implemented on the other devices. They just didn't do it. So is um, the, so by the way, is flip is like the whole. I mean, that's what why we're seeing bendable screens, right? Because that's mm -hmm. a, a a whiz bang new feature that a lot uh -huh. of people for, but it's also a pretty useless feature. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not it's not helpful. So in in, in my opinion, so. Like, I don't know that there's a lot. Everything you said is true. And I think I think a lot of people, if their phone is good enough and it's not it's not broken, like, frankly, if it were easier to replace the batteries, it, things would be even worse for the phone for the phone business. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Apple did a, a disservice to consumers, but definitely did a service to themselves in the industry. You know encouraging the sealed battery horrible thing uh but it's it's definitely interesting and like you said i don't know if the pandemic and you know the the increase we saw in other things played any increase here but you know now we're looking at 21 to 22 not even 20 to 22 so you know some of that is you know cooled between 20 and 21 and now we're looking at another cool off so you know, it's it's definitely interesting. We'll see if this continues for a couple of years. Um, you know, you might actually see some interesting and innovative things come out of the phone companies. Who knows?
This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram. Well, we had uh, we had some products come out <laughs> this week. So, yeah, I mean, it is <sighs> the um, so it is an exciting time to be building a PC. Uh, Intel's new Raptor Lake, otherwise known as 13th Gen Core chips, uh, just came out this week and they are now for sale. You can buy them. Uh, in particular, I mean, there's going to be a whole lot more, but there's three SKUs out right now, and we've reviewed them on Tom's Hardware. That is uh, the Core i9-13900K, the Core i7-13700K, and the Core i5-13600K. Uh, these range in price from about $320 to the Core i9 is supposed to be 589 but is actually hard to get right now and is being... The best price we saw recently was like 680, so like a hundred over MSRP. But the other for about 10 more than MSRP. So the Core i7 is selling for about 420, $430. And I was selling for about 323 to $30. Anyway, uh, these chips away uh, in terms of both gaming and productivity performance, they, they the previous generation Alder Lake. Intel 12th gen chips, and where it's bad news for Team Red, um, it blows away the AMD uh, 7000. So AMD, not long ago, maybe three weeks ago or so, uh, came out with their Ryzen 7000 series chips, uh, and their and their Ryzen 7000 chips are much faster than the 5000 series that they had before, faster than Intel's 12th gen in a lot of cases, uh, uh, added support for the first time for AMD for DDR5 RAM and PCIe5, and PCIe5 SSDs, but, which aren't even really out yet, um, but AMD's chips do not perform as well as Intel's new chips, and they cost more money, and the motherboards cost a lot more money. So this is very bad news for AMD right now. Um, they are offering you less for more, and that is not a good combination. So, um, so let's talk some some hard numbers here. Uh, so, uh, AMD's uh, top chip is the Ryzen 9 7950X, which is 699 MSRP. Um, that on our tests, and we have many of them published in our, especially in our review of the uh, Intel Raptor Lake chips where we compare them to AMD. Um, so looking at, for example, uh, our Windows 11 1080p test suite, where we run uh, a bunch of different, uh, a number of different games uh, on 
on, on different CPUs using the same graphics card and otherwise, uh, you know, same setup, uh, but different CPU. And if it's different and, you know, if it's AMD, it's going to have a different motherboard. Um, so our top ranked chip uh, returning on the test suite, 206 F, an average of 206 FPS was the 3900K. Below that was uh, a strange chip, the Ryzen 7 5800X 3D, which is a uh, last-gen AMD chip that just has a ton of, of cache. It's not, it's just really, that chip is particularly good for 1080p gaming because it has a ton of cache. Below that, we have the 13700K and the 13600K with 196 and 183 FPS. The first of AMD's new chips, 7900, uh, which costs 549, is behind Intel's $300 chip. Um, the then the Ryzen 7 7700X, a $400 chip, also behind the $320 chip. Below the, those two is this is their flagship chip, the 7950X with 179 FPS. That is on you know, so it is. So the $699 chip from AMD is six places behind the um, the $589 chip from Intel and also several places behind the $320 chip from Intel. Now that's, that's gaming. But when you also look at productivity performance, you will see that um, only on highly threaded uh apps does just amd's do amd's chips stand a chance and even there their their delta in performance is slight so uh the ryzen 9 7950x for example did the best of any chip we tested on you know highly threaded multi-threaded apps but the core i9 was only 3.2 percent behind that and um so um you know, there's now the reason why AMD would do better on multi-threaded is because AMD uses more real cores. Well, real is an opinion. That's my my opinion. The Intel uses a different process uh, where they have they now have a mix of P cores, performance cores, and efficiency cores. So when you read the core count for an Intel chip, if you want to know how many cores you're getting, you got to look at the fine print. Because you may not, you all the all the cores are not created equal. So, uh, for example, the Core i9 13900K uh, has 24 cores. Wow, that sounds really good. Uh, eight only eight of those 24 cores are P cores, meaning that the cores that actually operate at the highest speeds. 16 of them are efficiency cores. Now, the the plus of this system of having a mix of of higher power and lower power cores is that you could take more of the thermal and, and electric budget and throw it at a few cores instead of all the cores. And therefore maybe not all your cores need to be as, as powerful as the others, because if you're, if your operating system is smart and it directs like the game that you're playing or the video that you're crunching or the thing that you're doing, that's really high intensity to the higher performing cores, maybe that's okay. But with AMD, you don't have to worry about that. All the cores are all the cores are the same. So 
the 7950X has 16 cores and they're all capable of going up to 5.7 gigahertz, right? That's um, versus, you know, Intel's where only eight of them can go to the top speed of 5.8 gigahertz and the others go to only 4.3 and, you know, are otherwise not as as powerful. So, um, but but the thing to keep in mind here is when you look at the benchmarks, Intel is coming out ahead on almost every benchmark and their chips are cheaper. But to add insult to injury here, the cost of a motherboard for the new AMD chips is out of control. So um, in the case of Intel, Intel is using Intel. Usually when a new Intel chip comes out, you have to buy a new motherboard with a new socket. And that leads to increased cost. AMD had been for many years really great about this. They had for like four generations used the same socket, AM4. And so you could, with a firmware update or whatever, you could get an old motherboard and use it with the new chip and all was was good. But uh, this time, AMD switching to a new chipset, a new socket, going to DDR5, memory going to more PCIe lanes has amped up the and using kind of a dual chiplet design for the chipset has dramatically increased the cost of their motherboards. So last I checked, the cheapest motherboard that you could get to that would accommodate uh, the new Ryzen chips was $290. That is the bottom of the line. Oh, Most I can't remember them. the last time I spent two hundred ninety dollars on a motherboard. That and you know most of them are four or five hundred dollars for the motherboard. So now let's go back to Intel. Intel can use Intel's coming out with some new seven hundred series uh, chips um, chipsets for, but you will be you are able to use the new thirteenth gen chips in any six hundred series motherboard that's been out now for for a while so you can get a 600 series motherboard uh for 90 dollars, right um now that's a difference right now the 90 dollar one is a deviant so here's another little tidbit the intel uh, chips give you a choice you can buy a motherboard that supports ddr4 or a motherboard that supports ddr5 memory uh you can you have to pick which motherboard you want because generally the motherboard will be one or the other, but your chip can go with either one. And DDR4 memory is much cheaper than DDR5 at the moment. With AMD, you and, and motherboards that support DDR5 also are more expensive. Um, with AMD, uh, you have DDR5 is required now. You, you don't get a choice. So you have to use the more expensive RAM and you have to get a motherboard that supports more expensive RAM. So when you add all this up, it's just bad news for uh, for AMD because the cost is so much higher, particularly when you add the motherboard in. Now, you got to believe that um, you know AMD is having some sales issues. It looks like, I and mean, so is Intel. But um, AMD is going to have to cut to cut their prices. They're going to have to get a lower cost chipset out the door and. Even then, their chips don't perform as well. So if they're not going to, if they can't, you know, at least match, if not undercut Intel on price for what you get, 
they're in, they're in some big trouble in the desktop market. Now, you know, laptop market is a different space, but, you know, unlike Intel, this is kind of a big part of AMD's business. So, I mean, this is a huge part of their business and uh, their latest chips are not, you know, I mean, I, I love the fact that AMD chips, uh, you know, you don't have to guess about, you know, all your cores are, all your cores are the same. Um, but Intel is giving you higher clock speeds and they are through a, a variety of means outperforming. What are you going to, what are you going to do? They have, they're going to have to do something if they want to stay competitive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, it's, it's a huge difference in in potential, right? Just to get in, it's it's a huge difference in potential. Now, if it was like you know they made all these changes because it was this big monumental change, and it was a not just an incremental but a generational holy wow in performance. Okay, we can have a conversation about that. But it's all this cost, all this change, and Intel still beating them? Uh-oh. I mean, they're a lot better than the previous AMD chips. Sure. But, but that's not, but that's assuming that people, that's assuming that people only want to buy AMD, and that right. is definitely not a good assumption. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, listen, I, I love the competition that AMD brings. I love their multi-threaded prowess. I have AMD processor in in my machine and my son's machine. Uh, I I I mean I like their I like their stuff. It's and very often they've usually given you more for less, not less for more. So you know, and this is not a good um, good scenario for them right now. So hopefully they hopefully they do something and they don't settle into a space like they were a few years ago before Ryzen launched where they were kind of content to not be competitive, to not be competitive and just make cheaper stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, leadership matters. And since they've had their current CEO, Lisa Sue, they have really taken the fight to Intel and they have picked up market share. Um, they're going to have a lot of problems if they don't do something right now. Yeah. Uh, agreed. You know, in AMD for so long was, you know, mm -hmm. But then, you know, a fire got lit, things changed, and, you know, hopefully they don't fall into the the Microsoft thing where they, you know, they back off for a little while and let things happen, and then they get totally trounced, and they go, oh, I guess we have to try again, <laughs> which, which has always been, you know, Microsoft's big issue. Yeah, so hopefully... Um... You know, this this helps them. I hopefully they, you know, do something about it, and and we can have more of a fair uh, fight on our our hands, even just lowering the prices. But I think what may also be happening is that Intel may be using some of their. I mean, Intel's a much wealthier company. They have a lot more sales. They have a lot more everything. They could also just undercut to try to take back that market share that they've true. lost. True, true. Well, so. you've. Uh, I think you mentioned that you've got reviews yes. on the new products. Yes. So come check it out on uh, tomsartware.com. We have uh, reviews of the new Intel chips and of the AMD chips. We have our CPU hierarchy, which shows you how each ranks. Uh, so, so check it out.
Fantastic. Well, um, obviously, as somebody who has had, you know, AMD for the last number of generations, we've talked about it. It's powering the studio here in everything except this. Uh, um, you know, we did it because it was less money, more performance. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see that swap back. And I pre- we appreciate the information. And as always, uh, we look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology and GNC Week in Review is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0, 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. All right, it's been, it's been way too long since we've seen a new entry in the Silent Hill uh, franchise. It's a very popular uh, franchise that has produced some uh, terrifying moments and um, iconic characters. And um, this week we've got we've got new stuff coming. Now we're we're gonna you know pretend a little bit that um, we weren't teased with uh, PT a couple of years ago before everything went terribly wrong with konami um but um we do have uh silent hill we've got um two new games a remake i mean just they're like okay well you know what we're back and (laughs) we're we're gonna hit it hard now that could be good and that could be bad right because the uh franchise's creator is no longer with uh, with the company. And so this will be the first time that a major title comes out of Konami proper and not um, from, from the original creator. And um, the idea of, of uh, you know, hitting it this hard right out of the gate is a little frightening to me. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. It it seems like there's a lot of potential for for a screw up here. Yep, agreed. <laughs> agreed. And when it's a series, that's going to be well, it's going to be hit or miss. So I, I don't know. And so there's a lot of talk that Silent Hill Four could potentially be the um, the inspiration for Silent Hill. Townfall, which is one of the two new titles, which could be a problem because um, let's call Silent Hill 4 divisive among the Silent Hill community. (laughs) Um, It wasn't well received 
uh, when it came out. It has, over time, you know, the the reception has settled. <laughs> and, and people have uh, either come to like it or come to grips with its reality. I'm not sure which. Uh, but, um, you know, are they going to take... Are they going to take the most recent in the uh, the uh, the you know main main line uh, as its inspiration? Or are they going to possibly go back to uh, go back to its you know origins? What do you what do you are either of you big Silent Hill fans? Let's start there. I'm not. No, no, not a big not a big Silent Hill uh, fan. I mean, I think it's good that they're coming out with some new games but i guess we'll have to see whether they're in or not i mean obviously they can be very obviously people who really franchise are going to be concerned that the quality is there um but uh you know i guess it's better than to not uh or i don't know maybe some i mean when was i mean it could be like Grand Theft Auto, where you, by the time the next one comes out, people won't be driving anymore. They'll just be self-driving cars. <laughs> oh, yeah, and um, and uh, the world's oldest profession might be might be legal by then. Who knows? <laughs> we... <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it's a big part of of the gameplay in. In Grand Theft Auto, we all know it. Um, Good point. I think, honestly, I think if if Konami is smart, what they did was they took what they learned from the PT demo, right? Which was just a demo. It was one of the scariest short gameplay demos I've ever seen in my life. Um, It was worth... The, the fact that it's not playable on the PlayStation 5 is a crime. I understand that they were trying to uh, to separate themselves from Kojima, but, you know, it's disappointing um, that they pulled it and that it's not available to play on the bigger consoles. Um, but hopefully they took what they learned from the, I think, unanimously positive response to that change in gameplay. Um, and implemented here with any announcement of this, of this style, you know, there's going to be a huge lead time. We know that this is a, this was a teaser trailer at best, right. Um, for, for all of this content, um, including the, the remake of silent Hill two, by the way, which totally on board for, um, but the, I think the best in the franchise, but, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of lead time. There always is with an announcement like this. Um, so we don't know everything. We know very little. Uh, hopefully they learned what uh, they took, what they learned from that demo and they apply it to at least one of these games um, because it was everything that Silent Hill fans wanted from a new game. Um, Townfall uh, seems like it's the, the new franchise leader. Like this is where we're headed with everything. Um, no code uh, seems to be taking on on the challenge. They've got a good uh, um, back, you know, uh, history, um, but stories untold. 
uh, observation. You know, there's there's some possibility of bringing those are some of their their past titles. Hopefully, they can bring some of that into it. I think it would be good for the franchise. But you know, hopefully, honestly, honestly, if they take what PT was supposed to be <laughs> and bring it into the franchise, I think Konami will have a hit. They obviously can't do exactly that because I imagine you know Kojima would set fire to the Konami building uh, for developing his game without him. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big franchise. It's nice to see uh, something coming back to it. Fingers crossed they don't screw it up. That's That's my take. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology and GNC Week in Review is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. I promise you we're not doing this on purpose, but let's talk a little bit about an Elon Musk company again. Uh, <laughs> uh, this time, uh, it's... It's on one of the brands that makes sense. Uh, SpaceX on Wednesday unveiled Starlink Aviation, uh, bringing the Starlink service, which uh, for those who have used it, has been incredibly popular. It's given uh, people in um, you know rural communities access to an internet speeds that simply were not possible before. You know the CEO of the tech podcast network, Todd Cochran, has it himself, and it has you know changed his home life significantly. Um, Starlink Aviation will be bringing that technology to aircraft. If you've used uh, onboard internet on a on an airplane before, it can be <coughs> oh, <laughs> it can be a challenge. Let's say that um, speeds aren't great. Uh, sometimes they can be, depending on what the background service is. But generally, they're um, usable. Um, Starlink Aviation will change them from usable to 350 megabits per second uh, connection speeds on the plane. Uh, the hardware is not, and the service is not going to be inexpensive for the airlines. It's going to be, um, what, 150 grand to a, to uh, outfit uh, a plane, and then it's going to cost between 12 and 25 grand per month for the service but you know they're passing that on to the to the, the passengers anyway um, you're already paying for what's there and if you're using it you're paying extra for it um, so you know if you're if you're paying for it it might as well be better than what you're getting now um, they expect to be able to deliver the hardware and the service to uh, airlines sometime in the middle of next year, possibly faster if Elon Musk stops focusing on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> starts pu putting his emphasis on the companies that exist. Um, 
but it's it's an interesting move. Um, it's it's putting Starlink. You know, it's opening up the customer base for Starlink. I think it it makes sense uh, for the company um, that has already challenged. You know, mainline service providers. Why not uh, challenge them here too? Uh, so is that 350 megabit per second for the whole plane or for each passenger? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I don't know. For, I'm going to guess it's for the whole plane. Probably. I'm going to get, so that, that may sound better than it is because. Could be. Sure. That was for people in your house. That's actually slow for home minute. That's well, it's actually better than my home internet right now but it's not like top of the line home internet sure for sure uh and being shared among i don't know potentially 100 people or 200 people right although who knows what the uptake actually is it would be interesting to know how many people actually do pay for wi-fi on on the plane um i don't know if it's you know i don't work the airline of course and i don't play uh airline executive on tv either but it seems (laughs) It seems to me that it doesn't make it wouldn't make too much sense for them to pay uh, to pay to upgrade to retrofit planes with this unless they had an exist unless maybe a new plane was coming out and That's they had to pay. But like it, I don't see that as a great selling point, um, a great selling point to, to people. Like, I mean, I guess maybe eventually, uh, like all things, there will be progress and. 10 years from now you fly people will be like yes and you know remember when we said you couldn't get netflix on you couldn't stream netflix on the plane because there there's no way that you could you know possible well now we do and you can all stream your streaming service right from your airline seat but you know eh, i i don't see like it would be interesting to know how many people actually pay for for wi-fi in the plane and how much they're willing to pay um because like you know yes on um you know a 17 flight and they had by on uh going to taiwan sure uh sure absolutely uh i want my wi-fi uh you know check in do some work whatever on board uh but and and you know I think it was either free or $10 or something. So fine. But, you know, I don't think people are going to spend a ridiculous amount of money to have high speed Wi-Fi in the plane. Like they don't really need it. You know, I mean, in fact, it can be kind of a detriment. Like maybe you don't want to be like if a plane didn't have Wi-Fi, that would be in its own way a plus. Because it would be like, oh, great. Now I don't have to expect to be reached uh, uh, when I'm in the air. Maybe I get a break because, um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I find working on the plane is like I've done it quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I find it really not pleasant to do. Uh, even like if I was in a better class of seat, but still, you know, like, the, the plane is turbulent, it's shaking. It's like, I don't know. I just, I find it like sitting there doing like a lot of work on the plane to be kind of frustrating. But um, so 
I don't know. That's just my two cents on it. Yes, it's a nice technological advancement, but I don't think it's worth anybody, the airline paying extra, and I don't think it's worth the consumer paying extra. Yeah. So, so I think for, I think you're right. I don't think there's going to be any retrofits necessarily. Um, but possibly for, for new, new planes, uh, you might see this, or maybe the, the higher end, uh, long flight jets, you might see this, um, just for reference, um, the average, uh, go, go internet speed is for the plane is 70 megabits. Their top tier plan, which I think only Delta is currently using, uh, has a maximum of 100 megabits. Um, there's another service called Viasat, which is apparently comically expensive and is only used by Virgin America on their A320 aircraft, which might be faster than Starlink, but it looks like it's way more expensive to install. Um, and then apparently American Airlines has a 10 megabit per second per plane maximum speed. There you go. I guess if you're flying, we should look, you should look this up if you actually are planning to get work done to do something on the plane. I mean, mm -hmm. because if you're not going to work, then you shouldn't even bother paying for it. Cause I mean, like, it's not like it's great for entertainment, right? You're not right. going to be streaming. You're not going to be streaming movies on there. If you want to watch something, use something that's downloadable for offline. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I learned the lesson the hard way. Cause when I, I, when I was an American airlines flight to Vegas last January, we went to for CES and I used, I figured out what the hell, you know, let me see what it's all about. It it was on for about maybe five minutes. Then it it cut it cut it kept me off, kicked me off, kicked me off. So now I learned my lesson. Now I'm downloading because I watch a lot of videos. So I'm downloading everything that I have <laughs> from now on because that was a waste of money. It was like fifteen dollars, I think, for that flight. And yeah. yeah, I didn't do it. I that that was it. <laughs> from now on, I learned my lesson the hard way. Um, $16 plus tax. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I got a whole comparison guide here. <laughs> well, um, yeah. yeah. Right. The thing to be careful of, of course, is what you download. Um, there was a particular, uh, Netflix series starring Jillian Anderson. Um, people might know what I'm talking about, that that opened the first episode of the first season with a uncomfortable scene. Um, that uh, Dave Mendez, one of the Pluckett's live team, um, turned on on the plane, got super embarrassed and closed it. And it was the only thing he had downloaded for the flight. So whoopsies. Uh, <laughs> so do be careful of what it is you download. And grab a couple of uh, variety yeah. just in case um, a Jillian Anderson led show. Um, turns out to not be the X Files <laughs> 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 because oh my god, I've no I've seen him turn red for a couple of reasons, including eating a spicy chicken wing that made him uh, sweat his whole head and everything. Um, but this beat all of it. 
the shade he turned when that scene turned on was amazing. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it's competition in a the space. Um, there's some people will go with it because it's Starlink. You know, some companies might go with it because it's Starlink branded just in general. And, you know, there's been a lot of stability there. But, you know, who knows what the future of this might hold. This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live Refreshing Technology and GNC Week in Review is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. It's been a little while since the uh, the rumors and then the confirmation and then the tests about um, Netflix's password sharing policy change or enforcement not really changes in the policy but enforcement of said policy um got started uh we knew that eventually it was going to come to north america and it was going to happen with vigor and it looks like it's here um during its quarterly earnings call this week uh the company said that it may begin uh hardlining the additional subscription fees um, to Netflix accounts at the beginning of next year. We know that there were, I think there were 12 countries that they were testing this in um, around the world over the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, a lot in South America. I don't remember where else at this point. Australia, maybe? I feel like there was one like big country and uh, as far as subscriber base was for them and everything else was some of their smaller markets. Um, but it's coming. It's coming soon. Um, the The way we've seen uh, in some of the other countries, it's ranged somewhere between 2 and $4 per month to have external sharing access. It looks like uh, North America and some of the European countries will see uh, 3 to 4 so kind of in that same ballpark um, per month to add somebody who is not part of your household onto your account, which has been the, the, uh, the policy in the past. Um, it has said that the account is per household um, and they have defined in their usage policy what a household is. Um, so we'll see what that looks like. The good news is uh, that along with this, um, I don't know. I don't know if you included this in here or not, Kirk, but uh, along with this was a new feature announcement that you can now uh, migrate your profile to and from Netflix accounts. So uh, breakups in one way or another <laughs> have just become easier um, as well as uh, new relationships <laughs> have become easier as well. Um, so you can bring your account, your profile from another account into together or separate out. So 
uh, when this when this goes live, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, break up and pay the full price instead of just leaving it as it is and paying a couple bucks more, uh, I guess you have that possibility. Uh, you can go independent and uh, bring your profile with you, so you don't lose all your your watch history and your recommended stuff. So there's that. Um, for I think I don't know. I don't know what the percentage is of people who do this. I know it's been a big meme, and the fact that Netflix once responded on Twitter uh, to somebody posting about sharing their password, and I quote with, sharing is caring, um, <laughs> has, has certainly caused them some trouble in uh, implementing, or not implementing again, uh, enforcing this policy. But I mean... The policy has been in place the whole time. I think the mistake that they made was allowing it to uh, to <clears throat> sit idle and then going hard on it like this. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they could bring uh, Lance Ulrich of, uh, of on to uh, do commercials about it. He seems to have mastered to explain to people uh, not to share things or get in trouble. Um <laughs> So, oh no, not Lance Lars Ulrich. Sorry. Anyway, the drummer of Metallica. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they didn't get in trouble, but uh, you know, was so adamant against music sharing. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure the other services will do it too. Um, it it makes sense from them their perspective. They have to maintain, um, you know, their they have to maintain their their revenue mm-hmm. uh you know they've been i think they've i don't know what's to test like they've been talking about it for a long time they know people aren't going to be happy about it but uh that's it is what it is right so um in fact i will throw this out there maybe they're actually going to if this is the case so they're going to do this punitively right but could you just sign up to do it purposefully because it sounds like it's cheaper than um than actually having two different people buy two different accounts oh absolutely yeah good point um my guess is yes my guess is you could just do it and and bypass the slap on the wrist but you know maybe you just do it and wait for the slap on the wrist and add the the additional uh thing later i'm gonna tell you i really hope (laughs) i really hope that they don't try and hit me for it because obviously my Netflix gets signed into so many devices that I use sometimes for product tests. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> I, I once had, I once had, I was taught, was it, was it Netflix or Hulu? I can't remember, but I had a, I had a conversation with them. They're like, all right, so you're signed into, wait, you're signed into how many devices? I, uh, I get it. I know. I know. I know. I can explain, but I hope they don't come after me because it's just me. It's my profile and a guest profile, and that's it. It's all me. Well, that happened to me, but I, that happened to me. But apparently, um, my I was on a basic plan, but apparently, um, I can't remember how long ago it was because my wife was was watching Netflix and my daughter was watching it. And then they, I got this big pop up box saying that 
too many people or something that you have to go on a different plan. So I had to change up. So hopefully, you know, and I use my tablet while looking left because of the, the number of concurrent streams. More that sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it was. So hopefully that doesn't happen to me because I'm using different. I'm using uh, tablet, computer, phone. So I agree. With you, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I hope it up. I'll get it costs more. I'm like that happens. I'm like goodbye. See it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's you know that's that's part of the the possibility here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how big of a possible. So it's guaranteed that will happen to some people, and they'll go. You know what? I'm done. But I, I think they're wagering that the number of people who will do that will be less than the number of people who will cough up the three bucks. Right. By enough to offset it. So I don't know. I'm honestly, I, again, it's just me. But if I were in that position, I'm already so on the fence about Netflix. I'm mm-hmm. with you, Kirk. That would be the end of it. It would mm-hmm. be like, you know, I'm out, y'all. We'll use. <laughs> I I like the fact that there's a developer uh, screen uh, that can be pulled up on Netflix that can't be pulled up really by anybody else publicly, so that I can do, uh, you know, FPS and and stuff like that. I can actually see how well the stream is performing and you know, 100 what state it's in and things like that. We used it, Abram. We used it what a couple years ago when we were yeah. testing the whole. Uh, only only internet explorer and edge got yeah. uh 1080p in the browser right so i i use that all the time uh and i don't have that that control panel on the other services so i'd be sad but i'd let it go if, yeah <laughs> so i don't know uh we don't know exactly when it'll hit um but we suspect that it'll be the beginning of next year um possibly in the april time frame but you know there's no hard and fast dates out there yet all right and finally so in the last episode we broke down about uh elon speaking about elon's uh elon's new venture by selling perfume excuse me called (laughs) burnt hair then we discuss about bottles of farts. Now, in that vein, and it's legitimate, and you can you can make possibly fifteen hundred dollars. So, how do you do that? All right. Well, you can donate to the Good Nature Program, which takes stool samples from the public, which they use to <laughs> further research into gastrointestinal infections and disorders. Good Nature will pay you for your poop, and you can help save lives. So th- this is a, there's, a, there's a Good Nature stool donation program. Basically, what that means is it collects poop from healthy individuals who study it with the goal of achieving medical treatment or providing therapies for a potentially fatal gastrointestinal disease, C. difficile. Um, if I'm pronouncing, I apologize. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm, I'm playing on TV. <laughs> it's a bacterium, <clears throat> excuse me, that causes that, ca- that that can cause diarrhea and other life-threatening co- uh, colonic conditions. So, if you want to participate in the program, you must have you have regular bowel movements, age 18 to 50 years old. That counts me out. Uh, are of a normal weight. Don't smoke have no history of gastrointestinal disease or alcohol or drug abuse, are not pregnant, 
and you live near one of the donation centers. Now, oh, well, are... see, that's your <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> that right, you can't so... just like mail it to <laughs> no, we can't. So, if you're lucky to live in Los Angeles, Boston, or Phoenix, Arizona, you are likely close enough to one of the donation sites to participate. You must be able to poop in one of the collection sites, restrooms in person, and at least and at least three times a week. They will also draw your blood every two every two to six weeks. Now, if you meet the criteria, you can fill out the online survey and wait to be contacted by the program. They'll follow up to let you have they'll follow up to let you know more information and answer any question they have. And we'll have a link of the story in the show notes. And if you go to the story, the bottom of the post, there's a link for the online survey. If you apply, please let us know. Absolutely. Let us know in the comments or email us or, or uh <laughs> Uh, send us a tweet. Um, send us a tweet. We don't, I don't think we don't need any visual evidence. No, 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 of no. Either no. your application or your participation. Nope. <laughs> Just let us Listen, know how. This is. This is. I mean, I don't think folks should take money for this. This is their. This is your chance to say that you really give one. I mean, <laughs> you know, if they pay you for it, then you or, don't give. Or or three <laughs> per week. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, say, listen, I really give, and then there's someone to take it. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah, I think, well, this is it's, like... Uh, it's fascinating <laughs> that both of those verbs are an expression. Right. To mm-hmm. give and to take. They mean very different things. Right, if you give one, then you care. But if you take one, then you're receiving something that you don't want. Uh, to be honest, usually if you gave if you gave it to me, I would not want to take it. So I get why someone wouldn't want to take it, but I don't get why someone would want to give it. But anyway, and I, Abram, I'm with you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey hey, Kirk yes did this story go in the direction you expected yes it did (laughs) as as always (laughs) food related and like we said we just 99% of our our segment technically (laughs) technically you could consider it food related oh (laughs) I mean it, it is part of the process it is it is part of the process. You're right. Well said. Okay. And with that, <laughs> that is the tech news uh, for this week for Sunday, October 23rd, 2022. And the final episode, uh, the final special episode of GNC Week in Review and F5. F5 Sure, check out the latest tech news and commentary from geeknewscentral.com and be sure to tune in Mondays and Thursday evenings at geeknewscentral.com slash live for the Geek News Central podcast. And then be sure to watch and tune in this com- back on Friday for GNC Week in Review at gncweekly.com slash live at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And as always, if you are new to podcasts, be sure to like and subscribe to the GNC WIR channel on YouTube. Also, please make sure to click on the bell and always select notifications so you will not miss the next episode. And also also be sure to share this episode with people you know to check out the podcast and pass along word. This podcast is easy to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. 
And be sure to tune in to F5 Live, Refreshing, Refreshing Technology with Scott and Abram, Sunday evenings, back on Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It'll be at f5live.tv slash join us. Or be sure to subscribe to podcasts on your favorite podcast app. If you have a comment on this week's episode, we'd love to hear them. Um, head on over to gncweekly.com slash connect and connect via email, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Kirk Corliss. Scott is on Twitter at Triple C M A B O. Abram is on Twitter at Geek and Chief. Till the next episode of GNC Week in Review and F5 Live Refresh Technology. So long. Ciao.